from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Good evening, Khuyanand, Mulweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahid Akali Show. So, of course, this evening is the fourth part of the four series of programs that we've had focusing on toxic relationships and different aspects thereof. So, tonight we're hoping to touch on secondary trauma. We'd like to speak about PTSD symptoms that can still linger for a while. And we'd like to focus on exit violence, exit plans, safety plans, etc. So inshallah, we're hoping to get through all of those different aspects of the conversation. With me in the studio is Miriam Fredericks, and she is the supervisor and social worker at Sarki Bartman. Welcome back. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh and shukran. You know, it's really, really great to have you back because of the extent of experience that you have. Um, Mariam, that actually goes far beyond Sarki Bartman, isn't it, hey? Yes, I've um, fortunately had um, experience in trauma itself. I worked at Trauma Center for a while. I've worked at Nikros. I've dealt with the people who perpetrate the violence and the victim. And then I've worked in mental health for 13 or 14 years or so. Wow, mashallah, mashallah. So we are very pleased that we have someone to speak with and share um, your experience with such a lot of um, experience and deep experience. So perhaps to start off, last week I had focused on why do women stay? And on the conversation earlier on with you, um, you know, you have an opinion and thoughts to share about it, which I feel is so important. So perhaps let's start off by what your thoughts are and how you relate to certain questions that can actually take a woman to secondary trauma, please. Thank you for that. I I just feel that, you know, the basic concept is that we're all individuals. And um, I've spoken to women who've been questioned on this and it really, really hurts them deeply. and one woman, for instance, she was questioned by the police officer. She was questioned in the court when she went actually asking her when she came to complain about being sexually harassed uh, by a husband or raped even by a husband. Why did you remain in the relationship for 13 years? That was one 
client, but I mean many tour experiences. But these are the areas where women were thinking they were going to be safe. She thought she was going to be safe at the police station, taking the um, charge there and then going to court as well and then being asked that as well. So it just sets them back completely. And we talk about vicarious trauma where people, there's a secondary trauma. Yeah. If people aren't held or made to feel safe, yes. um, th- then it conjures up all those feelings and experiences again. So, um, and it's harsh to ask somebody that because like I said, we're individuals and people, I think you covered it last week where people remain for certain several reasons. Yeah. There's the shame. Um, they want to hide the fact that this has happened, although they're not yeah. to blame. Yeah. Um, they feel their family is going to ostracize them. They feel society is going to ostracize them, although they're not the perpetrators. But yeah. still, that is what how we socialize today. Yeah. Um, there's this, the aspect of who's going to care for myself and the children, many, of, often the women. A lot of women will say, if I was in the, in economically independent, I would have left a long time ago. Yeah. And then also, who's going to raise my children, who's going to be the man in my children's life. And that whole concept of when a woman's been abused for so long, or even a partner, any partner, male or female, um, their self-image is diminished. So that's fear of, am I ever going to be loved again? Is yeah. anybody going to care for me yeah. so there are several and will I cope, hey? yes yes yeah um you know we um i mean families are supposed to be raised by both 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 partners and i often say to children when i do meet them or something complaining about their parents and i say are you raising the home with, with both parents and then they look at me with that they already understand what i'm saying and i say you're now fortunate you you are because today many many homes are broken that's very true and i think also you know of the 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 things that often one says to oneself is i have to have sober um i i'd like allah to be pleased with me so i'd want to be a person of sovereign sacrifice um so all of such reasons can very often also make one make a woman or even a man feel um i should stay mm-hmm. and it's so hard and i i think you know when you spoke about secondary trauma often when asked that question it almost feels like there's underlying blame in mm-hmm. that question isn't it hey so so just important I think that I wanted you to voice that because when we work with loved ones that we must be um, very mindful of the types of questions that we do Mm. ask Mm. our loved ones who've been abused so so coming back to the other thing I wanted us to touch on is I see how um, when there's been a toxic relationship over a period of years, then there's been a period of when people separate, they go their own way, um, you know, and then years later comes the whole issue and conversation also of um, forgiveness moving on etc but if that isn't dealt with um, in a good way just your thoughts because I see how that can again unleash PTSD symptoms when they're confronted with what must I do and then all of these flashbacks and stuff comes back to them Yes, I think often, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat, <laughs> but um, if, as you said, the, the initial trauma was not dealt with, then there's still underlying issues and there are things that can trigger that, you know. For the children as well, we mustn't forget that the children also witness whatever's been happening. And uh, it's also an educational 
issue all along. A lot of the mothers that come into our centre, we have to say, have you noticed the child's not concentrating or the child is acting out or wetting the bed? And, oh, yes, all that's been happening, but it didn't relate it to, to the actual trauma. Yeah. So um, are you saying that once people people have moved on in the, and they come across that person or, when, yeah. or they come to a similar situation? They, I've, you know, there the are sometimes scenarios where um, you've, you've been in uh, with a trauma mm. and then the relationship broke up so you now go mm. on and you get better mm. and then the issue of forgiveness later comes up you know and then suddenly you're actually back experiencing some of the things that you're now supposed to be forgiving mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I, I just feel like society can sometimes put a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on a person who has been horribly um, abused, mm-hmm. you know, and hurt so badly. And there's the expectation, but my goodness, if you're a good Muslim or if you're a good Christian, you should, you, you should be forgiving. But you see, there is that concept in trauma work in that um, we as people believe that the world is benevolent, that the world is a wonderful place. Uh, it's almost like we're idealistic in a way. So we go around life, we're working and we're doing the right thing and we're making a salah and we're doing what we should do. And we think everything's going to be hunky-dory and then wham, bang, something bad happens to us. It shifts your concept completely. And um, we have a way of showing people if, if we were doing having a group in front of us and I would have physically shown you, yeah. we'll take a glass and pour some water in there mm-hmm. but actually there was perhaps instant coffee at the bottom so it yeah. can be cold water even you pour the glass back in and you say this is you healing mm-hmm. but you'll never that glass of water will never be the same again there's a residue there yes. there is something remaining yeah. so one has got to be conscious of that at all times yeah. and I, I just feel like in society um, we can sometimes be so judgmental of the process of the person who's been abused you know we have like I will have expectations in terms of what I believe you should be doing, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't stand in your shoes. Yes, yes. You people know? often say, oh, I would have left at the first incident. Yeah. Whatever. But like I said, we're individuals and we need to understand where that person was when all this was happening, what was Absolutely. in their past, what was in the, what the woman might have been pregnant at the time, whatever. So she had to give consideration to all those things. Sure. And, you know, we are, when the women also come to our center at Saki Bartman, we teach them about the cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. So what we mean by that is imagine a circle and right at the top is the meeting or the the wedding or whatever or the couple coming together so we call it the honeymoon phase mm-hmm. everything is hunky-dory you're very loving we promise each other this and that we have dreams and whatnot and then suddenly the one partner starts noticing this irritability you're, you're being criticized your hairstyle the way you dress the way you walk you're a bit late from work you didn't cook what they want them to cook or um, vice versa and it goes on and on and the person's gets a bit edgy but ignores it and then we call it there's an explosion mm-hmm. uh, there's an actual physical or uh, 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 an abuse of the yes. partner and the person will maybe initially think oh well he's the partner I took yeah. you know I have a child from this person now whatever I'll remain and the, per- the perpetrator then is humbled and apologetic and I promise you this and I promise you that and the other the opposite partner forgives them moves on and thinks it's okay and so we go right back to the honeymoon phase again so everything's now hunky-dory I'll forgive you and whatnot yes. and then a day or two later 
or maybe a week later. Like I said, we're all individuals, so our relationships are individuals one or different. And it's that irritability, whatever, starts up again. And so the cycle, we call it the cycle of abuse. And the recognition in women's eyes or our victims that come to us when, yeah. when we explain that to them is so amazing. When they, and they'll say, oh, but I've been living through that day in and day out, year in and year out. It's true. And, I, and I, th- I think just the awareness, like you say, sometimes people just, and this is why we're having this program, because we're wanting people to be able to identify, am I in a toxic relationship? What are options open to, you know, what should I be thinking of? Should I be um, worried about my own safety, etc.? But I just want to, you know, my, my next line of questioning is going to be in terms of the exit violence what you know what is exit violence so for example but before I I go there I've received a message that I think is maybe a good thing for us to just uh, you know respond to so it says Salam may not always experience physical abuse from their spouse but most men experience emotional verbal psychological abuse and disguise the trauma of it by just walking out of the house and go back when the abuser have cooled off so thank you very much for the message uh, you know I'm saying to the person who'd sent in the message and next week inshallah we will be focusing on men experiencing abuse at the hands of women Um, you know these because it happens and and I think our conversations that we've had mostly centered around women being abused by men we've been informed to you know approach it this way because statistics will show us that reportedly 95% of cases are men abusing women and as reported 5% of men are abused by women but we know that that the amount of five percent could actually be a lot higher because of the shame etc that men will be experiencing and next week we will focus on when a man is abused because the circumstances the things he feel um, is slightly different to an even help-seeking behavior in regard to a man and a woman can be quite different so just coming back but your thoughts on on that now I'm so glad this person raised this issue because Verbal, emotional, psychological abuse is so real. Yes. And uh, it's often not recognized. And like I said, I think the previous time it's the internal and the hidden hurts that aren't dealt with and that can actually be so deep. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, it's very much um, there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people need to be aware. It's even the, making jokes about the opposite sex, for instance. Um, oh, women always do this. Oh, men always do that. They mm-hmm. do. So it's belittling somebody all the time, bringing yeah. them down. Yeah. Um, um, showing them up in front of others, laughing at them. It's yes. good for couples to laugh together. It's good to have humor, but to laugh with each other, not yes. laugh at each other kind yeah. of thing. And I think that is often what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's really breaking down the person's sense of self, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Hey? Yes, yes. And so, and, and I think that is why, and, and that's also a contributing factor why it will take so long for the abused person to walk away because they are, it's like they've been in a process of being depleted in terms of their ability, isn't it? And you know, we touched on the point, I think I raised the last time I was here, how I find it a little bit frustrating sometimes because the women that I deal with are not motivated to change their mm-hmm. lifestyle, not motivated to move on. There's no ambition. But deep down, it's yeah. that 
that self-image, that self-worth um, yeah. that's been, as you said, depleted. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes, oftentimes, when we, like you said we were going to touch on it sometime, but we never got the chance about what are the, what are the theories that we use, what are the methods that we use, you know. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is group work. And in there, we deal with how were you parented and what happened. And there you see the people breaking down and saying, from a young person I was told I'll never achieve anything I won't yeah. be anything yeah. I was sworn at I was belittled yeah. um, so from there that person already um, has been dealing with this so the self image is absolutely shot at times so yeah. it takes us a lot of work to build that up again to just build that and up and it's hey. amazing sometimes that just the changes you know like one woman came to me she was 35 years old she said it's the first time I earned money to go buy my own garment you can't wow. imagine how wonderful I feel wow. so little things like that one woman she said she thought our house mother was nasty because she kept saying, look at your hair. You haven't done your hair. You must do your hair. But she said, and then I took time to, to make myself look decent. And when I walked into work, they said, what's happened to you? And she said, Saki, Boatman has happened to oh, me. Sweet. So it's the transformation that's happened. That's really, so, really wonderful. You know, yeah. And I think it's encouraging and it's it's hopeful and it's wanting to give people hope through this program and through our conversation. The Voice of the K. The Voice of the K. Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Miriam Fredericks, who is from um, Sarki Bartman Center for Women and Children. And Miriam is the supervisor and social worker there. And Miriam comes with years and years of experience in trauma management. So coming back to Miriam, we've received a message and the message says, um, Salam titis, the two of us. <laughs> Shukran for putting men on the program. Is there any institute where men can approach for assistance? Okay, so so yeah, is there any place where they can go to? Your thoughts, um, Miriam? Um, there's FAMSA, F-A-M-S-A, in observatory. They also, they do family care, but they also do actually work with that one of the only organizations I know of that work with the perpetrator itself. Mm. They've got a support group that's been going for years, apparently. So they do amazing work. Um, we have, they have trained other people, but people are advised not to um, embark on this work on their own. You know, you need to have someone sure. else doing it with you, sure. an experienced person. Then there's Nicro, and the Nicro has the f- branches in many places. I know there's the head offices in Cape Town, and there's a branch in Mitchell's Plain. Mitchell's Plain, yeah. Um, a few branches that yes. are around. Trauma Center also, uh, in uh, 126 Chapel Street in District 6. Yeah. Um, and and. Trauma Centre also delivers services in the communities, apparently. Um, I think they're at the Manenberg Police Station. Wow. They often refer people to us as well, and they're in other areas as well. Um, and then I would suggest also Cape Mental Health Society. Their number's 021-447-9040. They're at 22 Ivy Street in um, Observatory as well. Um, I think they do general counselling, but also around mental health issues. If the person is feeling depressed, if they're feeling down because of what's been happening for them, with them for some time. Yeah. And 
if they want to do, they could perhaps refer them on further. Sure. So there are some options. Yes, yeah, of course. And and all of the options that you've mentioned are all institutions and organizations that are doing really, really good work. Long-standing organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I think hey? Cape Mental Health is the longest-standing NGO in South Africa. Yeah. They established 1913, I think it is. Yeah, they've, they've come a long mm. way. There's also ISWAN. I'm not sure. Perhaps someone from ISWA can contact us and confirm whether they are still in existence. So that would have been the Islamic Welfare Society or something like that, Welfare Organization or Association. So that's uh, the acronym was ISWA. I would also like to advise people to to speak, you know, to, to people that they can trust. Um, even if it's your imam, the sheikh, um, if it's a younger person, to the teacher. Most teachers, most schools have got guidance teachers or counselors now at the moment. Even mm-hmm. a social worker is appointed there. Yeah. So they need to pe- speak to people they can trust. Um, and if you, if you as a person is approached by anybody, is it to encourage them to say you are brave to talk about this and um, keep everything confidential? That's very important. And then um, share with them what knowledge you have got. Um, there's a lot of stuff on um, the internet at the moment. People can go and look there and even look up the organizations and see, make, make a choice of where it is that they want to go. Sure. But it's important that people sort of offload, you know, yeah. share that stuff yeah. with somebody. And, and know that they needn't be ashamed no, if they've absolutely. been the victim and they've been abused. Yes. It happens, it happens to, and it can happen to any one of mm. us. Mm. So just coming back to part of the, of the conversation that I wanted us to have almost as a conclusion, um, although we still welcome coming people to send us messages we're quite happy to receive your your whatsapp messages and just to say that the whatsapp number to send it to is 0722380712 that's 0722380712 so what is exit violence or what do we understand when reference is made to exit violence please miriam i think that's connected to Uh, looking at, for instance, when people are in a toxic relationship, when the partner is feeling insecure, um, when they're very controlling um, and they pick up that the the opposite partner is about to move off and then the violence can possibly escalate. And often they have weapons available or they would grab anything or whatever. The main thing that they often do is also destroy whatever is going to help the, the opposite partner make a new beginning. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of violence, what I'm trying to say is come back to also what we were going to talk about, the safety plan. Safe, and, and we can, Everybody we can ha- actually move into. If, if you are in that kind of relationship where yes. you have an inkling that this might go awry at some time. Because yes. look, sometimes it comes out of the blue. Yeah. Although there's been little niggly things happening, but nothing violent as such. But suddenly it can explode in that way. Yeah. And and there can be a lot of factors. People can be affected at work. Maybe they're being retrenched. Maybe they've been using, um, they addicted to substances. That's not the cause of the violence, but it can add to it. It's yes. a contributing factor. So Alcohol then, as well. Yes, yeah. yes. So then people need to be prepared. And in this way is perhaps um, put the parcel of your clothes that of your children as well because often the uniforms get um, destroyed or the children don't have the uniforms when they escape and then it puts them back again so put a parcel of that with a neighbor of yours or your parents or something a very important part is your a copy of your ID copy of your children's birth certificates a copy of your SASA card because men know or perpetrator knows this and they usually destroy that yeah um, the phone as well 
um, a safety plan would be to keep your phone charged. This is often yes. difficult. People don't have a lot of electricity and people don't have a lot of airtime. Yeah. But it is to tell yourself, or, um, um, have a code even. Mm-hmm. If you call your friend and say, look, things are fine, really fine, or yeah. just something simple. Yes. But then they know, oh my God, there's something happening here. Let us yeah. make our way to her. Yeah. Or even your neighbor, or you mm-hmm. tap on the door or you, you have a code between the two of you that they know there's something. So you need to put things in place. Right. You know, because yeah. the people, some people think, oh, it'll never happen to me or yeah. whatever. But if you had that inkling that, or there's been a history of it, because like we say, women are going back repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, research also shows that a woman will return or leave the partner nine times before yes. she finally makes up her mind. This time it's for real. I'm not going back. Yeah. Um, so you can see in that time what could have happened. And often the level of violence does escalate, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's such an important point because very often people will think, no, but he's only done this, so he's not going to do X, Y, Z. Day. Yes, yes. Um, he hasn't hurt me. He's only broken all the furniture around me. And I, you know, it's, Miriam, how important is it for people to, to understand that violence holds more of a potential to escalate rather than to, to become de- less, yeah. to decrease? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I also warn people, they say, oh, he just shoved me. Oh, he just choked me. Now, choking is a very serious offense. Um, but shoving, whatever, and I explain to them, I sit at my desk, perhaps, and there's a point, And I say, he might just knock you, and your head knocks on that point, and you're gone. And you, you're worried about your children being with their father, but what is, is now they're without your mother, they're without their mother. Yeah. So think about it. And the thing is that statistics in South Africa is so horrendous. Yeah. I mean, every day three women are killed at the hands of their lover, their partner, their husband, whatever. It's five times the amount globally, yeah. which shows you how shocking it is. It is. And, and I think, you know, sometimes it gets underestimated, you know. It's like it still feels like it's far away. But if it is that three women are being killed, um, you know, imagine how how huge that amount is mm. by their significant partner that, mm. you know, is, is killing them. So it's the, the other thing, too, that I that I feel and perhaps for for you to speak about it, Miriam, Sometimes in a toxic relationship, it gets hectic, like people scream, shout, and you you feel the violence that are going on. How important is it for people to identify that this is high risk? It's high risk for me, for him, and even for the children. Just how important is that for people to think about and to actually identify? You know, I think maybe um, society as a whole needs to answer for this because um, if you look at how we bombarded by violence um, daily on TV, on the news, um, in, in movies, um, in comic strips or whatever, um, so people start to become desensitized to this. Oh, uh, you know, he only touched me, he didn't really, or he just pinched me, and uh, there is a blue mark, but um, it's not as bad as it really looks or whatever, whatever, so they, they kind of minimize you know what it is but it's it's looking at how do you feel in your relationship are you do you feel happy do you feel satisfied do you feel safe do you feel secure do you feel respected by this person if all those little things are niggly things then you need to be looking at is this the right place for me to be am i in a in a 
potentially harmful relationship because yeah. obviously all those things already are harmful emotionally like we said early on we don't touch on those things and that actually is also so so deep set you know so uh, those are the little things the little messages you know when somebody says don't leave me i'm gonna die if you go that's not on yeah. you need to be free to be able to say i need to move on they need to give you that choice they need to want you to grow but there's to be somebody that encourages you. Um, you know, I often say to people, I'm going to share something very personal. Um, when I worked at Trauma Center, I was sent um, to Kenya and Europe and places like that. And I was afraid to approach my husband because I went to him first and I said, look, my workers and I, because I thought we're a very conservative family. And he sat down with me and he said, is this important for you? Are you going to develop with this? And I said, yes. And he said, then you must go. You must say, Bismillah. And of course you must go. This is good for you. You must move on. And I really, really treasure that. And it makes me realize in relationships how important that is, that one one partner wants better for the other. One partner sure. wants the other one to grow and to, to extend themselves and self. And enjoy life. You know, go and exercise. Have time with your friends. Have time with your family. Don't deny them that. And, and either one needs to do that for the other. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful that you describe that because it really, again, it gives hope. It gives hope in terms of how we should should be it gives hope in terms of how it can be so so coming back to when one is so now she's in a position and she feels like I, I need to exit this relationship so I've packed the clothes I've delivered it elsewhere I've got all the documents and all of that is ready sometimes I, I'm concerned about that women want to confront their, their partner mm -hmm. or husband before they leave. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. You know, it's, it's almost like the other day we had an incident at work and we said to the social worker, why didn't you press the panic button? And she said, my fear was that if I press the panic button and it went off exactly where we are, this is going to escalate the person's response to me. So I think it's something similar to that. Mm -hmm. It's like escalating that anger and whatever. So I I would imagine the person needs to either bring somebody in, a mediator, and have somebody sitting there and say, look, I cannot take this anymore, I need to move on, whatever, or first go get your protection order, because according to the um, Gender Violence Act or Domestic Violence Act in South Africa, every partner or every person has the right to approach the South African police, and if the person is being abused or unsafe they need to find safety for that person so they actually need to accompany the person and see that the person is safe that is really wonderful i'd like it to speak more about the the fact that you can actually get a protection order um, as a protection in that whole process mm -hmm. of ensuring your safety so stay with us don't go away the voice of the cape 91.3 fm stereo Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. 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 Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Miriam Fredericks, who is a supervisor as well as social worker at Sarki Bartman Center for Women and Children, particularly abused women and children. So we continue with our conversation and we've had a message that had come through. I'd like us to just touch base on the protection order issue, but let's go to the message because it's very, very important. And the person writes, Salam, does Sarki Bartman 
someone except a mother with five kids? What steps does she have to take to be admitted? It's a very, very sad story on this lady's side. And she says her youngest is two years old. I just want to say, like you said earlier on, can one say, you know, you've been so brave and have such a lot of courage that you actually messaged and may Allah make it easier on you and your journey. And Miriam will respond now if you'll please listen. Assalamu alaikum. Um, we are open 24 hours a day. Um, you can arrive at any time of the day or night. You will not be seen by a social worker straight away. If you come between the hours of 8.30 and 4 o'clock, you will be seen by a social worker who will then assess your situation. If you go outside of those hours, you will be admitted as an emergency and you will stay overnight and in the next morning you will be seen by a social worker who will then assess um, whether you are appropriate to be at Taki Batman or not because we're not a place for destitute people. We're not a place just to shelter people. There has to be some form of domestic violence or gender-based violence um, that the per- person has experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you are most welcome with all your children under the age of 18. We cannot take children above 18 unless that child of yours who's over 18 has also been a victim. Then the person will be admitted on their own strength. They will be admitted as another victim Mm -hmm. Um, but a mother with a child a boy child even up to the age of 17 or 18 will be allowed to be admitted and whether you have 10 children if they are your own biological children we will certainly admit them and we do at the moment have people one woman with six children one woman with five children so it varies and then we have a lot of women who don't have children at the moment we have 47 women and 53 children wow so that shows you there are quite a few moms that are don't have children yeah I'm I'm so grateful that you know one could answer her and give hope that there is hope there is a door that will open she needs to get herself there mm-hmm. with her children yes. but we spoke about packing all the necessities that they would need so so while we're speaking with her what would be the types of things that you'd um that you will advise her to bring with of herself and the children? It depends on what situation she's in. If she has a chance to pack, yes. then so be it. But if she hasn't, yeah. um, we do provide, you know, um, with all basic uh, necessities, um, as well as toiletries and whatnot. But, I mean, important is her identity document, if she's got any grants, the papers around that, the children's documents, if there's mm-hmm. any school records of these, those kind of things that are going to be important for them to move on because we are an empowerment program yes. and we hope to change the person's lifestyle and that of the children and to, 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 that they can embark on a, on a, on a better journey yeah. in life that they can become independent. Um, I must just say, so we were very proud last year, the end of last year, we had three children that matriculated wow, from the center Allah. and um, two of them are at varsity right now. So, we wow. very, and I mean, they were in such difficult circumstances. The yeah. one uh, gentleman, he came with his mom and he, it was in September, they came from Johannesburg yeah. and he settled so well. And we, I mean, we supported them so well that he actually matriculated with um, a BA. And the other girl, her mom died in January because her mother had cancer but we had her living there with us and this yeah. child was so strong and she studied and we made things possible for her you know to get through it so amazing things can happen there we, we find we feel it's very important that the children must be admitted to school as soon as possible I mm-hmm. think I said before we have lovely schools around us that do accommodate for that um, we even have one teacher that's picking some of the children up and taking them we also have a group I'm get so excited yeah. but we have a group um, called what do they call it now the school 
school bus. Okay. So neighbors in the area have yeah. come past and they, our children actually join in that and walk to school together so they can be safe. Because, you know, oh, in the Manenberg yeah. area, there is still shooting going on and of some course. of the kids have run back twice this year already is it? when they've been exposed to shooting. Okay. So it's really but, sad. But it's, it's great that you have, you know, your neighbors around Sarki Bartman that's also rallying Absolutely, around yes. the ladies. And I just, yes. you know, I mean, for me, this is such a conversation of, of hope. We just want to give the women hope Inshallah. that there is a door that will yes. open for them. They must not give up. I just want to touch on that thing you said about the neighbors and what they do. The amazing people in the community who bring us bread or they bring, you know, some people themselves aren't that wealthy or, yes. or comfortable, but they yeah. find it in themselves to bring vegetables or whatever. So any donation is most welcome. And it's amazing how the community does support us. It's wonderful. Yes. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah for the good arts that are in the community. So let's just come back to uh, Maryam and shukran for that. And I'm, I'm hoping, inshallah, that the lady got the information. And perhaps while you're still going to be here for about mm-hmm. uh, seven minutes or so, if the lady has perhaps another question, question that she's welcome, welcome to, to welcome. message through yes. and then we can respond. So coming back to when you, the person now wants to leave and feel that it's safer for me to go and get my protection order first Mm. so that I'm protected that I can go to the police to, to also have a policeman accompany me. Um, where, how, what's that process? We're there again, Saki Batman, for the past year. Um, or we've reinstated the service because we got additional funding from the Department of Social Development. We have a paralegal officer. Mm-hmm. So from... Oh, 8.30 to 2 at the moment uh, she can assist people that want to apply and she will connect them with the um, police station and the court and she will deliver the papers to the court And but the difficult part about the protection order you actually have to lay a charge or so and then the person will appear in court a month or so later and might have to see the perpetrator again but that's when they need a little bit of support mm-hmm. uh, Mosaic has been very good in doing that with supporting people preparing them for court okay. of course our social workers will also do it um, just looking at what what you're going to encum- uh, encounter when you get to court um, you'll the see types the types of questions they might yes, be yes. and in, incidentally talking about the perpetrator that they will see I think somewhere there was a message of someone who said um, you know how traumatic it is for you to sit in the same court in the same proximity in the same um, passage mm. sometimes mm of your perpetrator yes, and yes. feeling completely intimidated. Mm. Is there protection in that regard? Like if you're going, you know he's going to be there and you are very, very scared. Not that much. That's why I say they've got to know if somebody that can support them, whether it is somebody that they met at the center or um, a family member. Um, we've also had the police uh, actually delivering people to the to the court. They might not remain there with them, but they will pick them up also again later. And I think also they can alert the court officials there, you know, the perpetrators in the same building or is he sitting close to me or whatever it is. They can approach the um, security, security officer. That's how I say our program is very much about empowering people. So yeah. people need to know that they can talk out and what, what rights are available to them, you know. Yeah. So I have the right to safety. Yes. And these are the things that are put in place by the state. So I need to use that. That's really, really encouraging. So coming back to, and we have another message that had come through mm-hmm. that I think, you know, we we can attend to. It says, um, I need, so, okay, so this is, 
I thought that it is your number that, but I'm just mm. going to read the mm. whole message. Assalam is Shahida Kali on I need a cell number, Ganala. Really have a problem with my daughter of five years old. I need urgent help. Can they send me her cell number? So I will, I will, okay. So if you're mm. listening to me at the moment, I will send, I will give myself a number on, um, on the air at the end of the program. Okay. But then I have another message that had come through and it says, I tried leaving six times been to Irsa and Sarki Bartman. I left my kids behind and stayed for two weeks. It was a fantastic stay. They fed me, cared for me, clothed me, counseled me and found me a job. Unfortunately, I went back to promises that were broken soon after I arrived. I was skipped from my family and my mom for years. I have, however, managed to leave with my three kids and I'm free and happy and on my own for a year. Oh, you Please must be the cold or you know, alhamdulillah. You know. it's a, that's a lovely story. Huh? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And, yes. and this, is, this is the type of story that we want to share on mm. the air with this program so that people can understand there is hope, there is hope. Absolutely. There is an, oh, a door that will open. open. I mean, you know, I think beautifully she says, they fed me, they mm. cared for me, they clothed me, mm. they counseled me, they found me a job. Mm. Wow, mm. mashallah. Mm. Very, very proud of you. And shukran, shukran for sending this message because it's such a message of encouragement for women who are scared. But not only that, this woman, she's got her own strengths and all of us have strengths, but it's accessing that and she actually used that. She used that yeah. opportunity. She was only two weeks. They're allowed to stay for four months. Yeah. She stayed for two weeks and yeah. she used all that to the maximum. Yes. That's absolutely wonderful. Inshallah, may everything else go well with her. Inshallah. I would like Inshallah. to give a landline or so just so because some Please. people that might not have written in but want to communicate it's 021 5287 I'd like you to repeat that because you know what as I'm sitting here at the desk mm-hmm. all my pens and I actually have two pens okay, they've yeah. just stopped working 021 so, okay so please repeat 5287 yeah. okay fine I think I'm going to have to borrow your pen okay. before you leave okay. so that I can write down the number sure. as well but but really coming back to perhaps and I think we have one minute left over perhaps just a last word of encouragement from your side Miriam I think that ending with that message I mean it's a real message this person just sent through was fantastic so people can see the, as you say the doors are open there is help out there not only at Saki Bartman yes we've got the child protection unit we've got the paralegals we've got the social workers we have a, a professional counsellor we've got this empowerment program we do sh- uh, skills training for them and whatnot. but there's other help outside also Inshallah. you know the police are supposed to be helping there are other facilities in the community the health services we all come together you know to assist we collaborate like that and I think that's important so please people mustn't hesitate and overcome the shame and walk forward and inshallah make lots of dua but make make your move inshallah inshallah and I think you know what so shukran so much for that Miriam okay. um, I think we have we have and, and there is a little bit more time just want to say shukran so much for you um, for the work that you do for the heart that you have um, that informs the work that you do because really for me in the moment when we when I read the message about the help that this lady got you know you could you just saw the shift in you and how you know it was like that message went straight to your heart I just want to ask one question what does it mean to you the work that you do Um, you know I think one has to have a passion 
for your work, but but often you are so bogged down by work. It's only when you come, like some like you mentioning it now. Somebody came to our office one day to entertain the people, and he sang a song about angels, and he said, and actually I'm not talking to the victims today. I'm talking to the workers. Here. I'm talking to every one of you, the staff. And I went home that day with such a feel-good feeling. I thought, oh my word, I never look at it. I'm so bogged down with my work. I never think I'm actually so blessed, alhamdulillah, that Allah's put me on this path where I can help yes. other people. Alhamdulillah. Um, really, it's, it's, it's a fortunate place to be in. Alhamdulillah. I share that absolutely. I just feel like if people ask me, what do I do? Then I say, I, I strive to heal hearts. Mm. So, you know, mm. it's really a good feeling. So, someone is again asking for for your number I'd I'm yeah okay I'm going to give my number a little bit later at the end of the program um, for now before we yeah before we break just lastly Miriam the cell phone the, the landline, landline number again 021 5287 I've got that if they want to write an email they can write to admin admin at women's center w-o-m-e-n-s Center, C-E-N-T-R-E, not E-R, dot C-O dot Z-A. Because from the administrator, it will go to the social workers that are dealing with that work. Inshallah. And I'm going to write down that information. Yes. Let me say shukran so much for the contribution that you've made to the program. It's been wonderful. And it was wonderful to also meet you. So shukran so much. Miriam Fredericks, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Shukran to you. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 91.3 FM Stereo The Voice of the King And good evening. I'm Shahida Kali, and we're into the part of the program called VOC SOS Helpline. So in this part of the program, I respond to your messages as a registered clinical psychologist with the HPCSA. So last week, I received a message that I didn't have time to read uh, and to to respond to as well. Um, And I'm going to respond to that message now. So it said... Assalamu alaikum. I have a husband with schizophrenia. He is on medication, but he is very rude with his mouth. For the words that comes out of his mouth, he bad mouths me um, from the worst and always saying I'm not there for him and I'm not doing anything for him, but I'm breaking my neck to my bones uh, for him and is doing everything for him. If something don't go his way, he just snaps and refuses to do anything I ask him to do and is very rude. I was at the hospital speaking to the psychiatrist and he just says that it is us who is going on with him and they believe him and not us. 
So how do I go about this? So shukran very much for the message. I appreciate it. We learn from these messages and these very difficult circumstances that people find themselves in. And I'm sure for you it must be very, very hard, you know, when um, your husband is being so rude and and it's, you know, seems as if he doesn't appreciate anything and he continues and he's abusive, etc. And I, I, I think the first thing to say is um, when there is schizophrenia, then there then there is a difficulty in the way the brain processes the reality of the circumstances. So even though you believe and say that you are doing everything for him, he believes that you don't. And because it's a brain difficulty, he struggles to believe that. And so I would really want for you to go back to the psychiatrist and explore a few things with him. The one is that they should appoint and refer your case to a social worker. Now, a social worker can go out to you to your home and assess what is happening because the if the psychiatrist is only taking what the your husband is saying and just believing what your husband is saying one wants to have someone who can help with the assessment and then inform you know the the psychiatrist and also write up a report in terms of what they found the other thing too is um, you know, if that happens, and I'm hoping it will happen, I'm also hoping it will happen soon. There has to be an assessment of the medication that your your husband is on, because you know, if your husband is still um, experiencing, maybe he experiences delusions. Now, delusions is are beliefs that the person hold. So the person can believe that you don't want to do anything for him. The person can believe you're working against him. You know, he can believe all sorts of different beliefs that are not true, but he believes it as if it is true. So, you know, when a person has schizophrenia, it is hard to confront them. So instead of confronting them, if there is a man, if there is a person, a family member, a child who's able to sit down with your husband and and calmly say, but buya, miskinis ti suuni, but it is su. Mami reti su gemini and mami, kijk wat mami doen, etc. So that another person tries to help your husband to see the good that you are doing. You know, it does not take you to any good place or outcome for you on your own or your family to constantly confront your husband, to go into confrontations, um, you know, to go into arguments. Remember, your husband has a brain disease. He has a brain difficulty. So he's not able to make Decisions and reason the way you and I will reason who does not have a brain um, deficiency or brain um, disorder. So, so my thoughts are, again, go back to the psychiatrist, ask them for a referral to a social worker, that a social worker must be appointed so that the um, you know, social worker can come out and assess the situation at home.
Secondly, I'd like to suggest that you ask the psychiatrist to refer you to a psychologist as well as your husband because it's good for a psychologist to work with you and your husband to help you to cope with the difficulties that your husband's presenting with and perhaps a psychologist can contribute to helping your husband you know, see another way of thinking and looking at things, but it isn't easy. So it depends on the level of reasoning that your husband is able to engage with, you know, and this is why I'm saying there need to be a proper report given to the psychiatrist because maybe, you know, dosages need to be looked at that your husband's on or sometimes there is even consideration for a medication change so that you can get a better response from your husband. It's, it isn't easy also because sometimes managing the psychosis of a person, you, it's, it's hardly ever the case where all the symptoms are gone. Okay, especially if it's very severe, because then they will medicate to the point that your husband will be like a zombie. So they will medicate to the point where the behavior is manageable, the illness is manageable for your husband as well. But certainly, and I'm, I'm so sorry that you are going through this difficulty, and I want to encourage you, please get help for yourself. You can also contact the Cape Mental Health Society, and Cape Mental Health Society has support groups that run for families of people who have schizophrenia. So find out how they can help and where they can help so that you can get the best help for yourself. Also remember to try to get a family member to gently, calmly speak with your husband. Confronting him, arguing with him, fighting with him is not going to get you any results that are positive. Because remember, in his mind, he is right the way he sees it. And that is so because he has a brain difficulty. So may Allah give sober in the process. May Allah make it easier, inshallah. But please get the help that you deserve. And please take time out a little bit away from your husband. You know, have the children to take a shift so that you can take, you know, to, to leave a little bit. Go out, go for a walk, go for a cup of coffee, because carers also need caring. Carers need to look after themselves. So please look after yourself and get the help that you need, inshallah. Then I we need to take commercial news, and when we come back, we'll attend to the message that is in relation to the sister who sent a message that her sister has passed away two weeks ago. Shahida Kali and I'm attending to your messages. This one read, Salam Shahida, we lost our sister two weeks ago. She died peacefully in her sleep. She wasn't sick 
and she was only 52 years old. I'm so, so sorry for your loss. May Allah make it easier on you, inshallah. And then the sister writes, the sister who had passed away had six children. There are young ones in the house. The eldest of the young ones in the house is looking after a 10-year-old and 12-year-old who's really having difficulty. Every night they wake up screaming because they're missing their mom, they're wanting their mom, and their dad left them 10 years ago. May Allah make it easier on all of them, inshallah. I I would, and, and you know, you go on to say, how can you help? It's... It is so needed for aunties to be there so that the children can cry by you um, because you are an, el- an elder and therefore you represent kind of a mommy figure. So I would want to encourage the aunties and the uncles in this family to rally around the children, to sleep at the children's home, have the children to come and sleep by you, you know, take care of them, take them under your wing, give them lots of mercy and let them cry, let them speak about their mommy, try to just hold their heart in the best of way. It's very, very, very difficult because You know, children would want you to bring their mommy back. I remember a child, I said, what can I do to make it better? And the child said, can you bring my mommy back? Yeah, Allah, I thought, yeah, Allah, I must never ask a child in that way again because I then can't fulfill what, you know, I've just promised. I want to do something to make it better, but some things we can't do, but you can be there for them, love them, you know, um, hold them, let them cry by you. Give them hope. Tell them, inshallah, Allah will make it better. You will always be there for them. They won't be alone. Reassure them. Put things in place that's going to help even the the child who's looking after them to make it easier. I want to suggest that if it is difficult for you to have private uh, counseling, like you say, that the child, the children are receiving counseling at school. If it's a school psychologist, then that is good. Um, if it's a teacher that is trained, you know, to do um, some counseling, I would suggest that you then rather take the children to perhaps the trauma center in Woodstock. Um, the trauma center in Woodstock deals with this type of trauma, which is extremely helpful because I think these children need absolute professional help. And I'm going to I'm just looking up the trauma center's number for you. And it is 021-465-7373. That's 021-465-7373. May Allah make it easier on you, but just be there for them. Inshallah, with time, it will get better, but it's a long journey. It's really a long journey to walk, to, to walk with them. As long as the family is there to support them, that is what's going to make it better that is what is needed really um 10 and 12 absolutely it can be helpful to speak with a trauma counselor but younger children they need their loved ones more than they need a psychologist honestly i um 
I just want to read and, and all the best for you, inshallah. And perhaps you should go with the children to the trauma center so that you too can benefit from a little bit of professional counseling. I go to another message that says people that try to break a person who is abused and can be very abusive. And shukran for this. You know, not all people who are abusive was abused because if when we say this, then we're saying everyone who's been abused will abuse and that is not so. So when people when people have been abused, there is a possibility that they can also be abusive because sometimes they've learned that this is the way in which you are in a relationship. But there is help for people who have been abused to get better, to get, you know, really to heal. And if you are an abuser, there is also help for you. So help for the abusers, particularly, you can find at FAMSA. And FAMSA, and I want to give the number, FAMSA can be contacted on 021-447-0170. That's 021-447-0170. That's, you know, for people who are abusers and for people who have been abused can get help from um, from FAMSA as well as from NICRO. NICRO has abuser programs as well as perpetrator programs that they run. I just want to continue with reading some of the messages. I'm hoping that I'm going to get through all of these messages. Messages. Um, this one says, if you divorced, if you divorced an abusive partner, what if he's still controlling an abusive after the divorce? He's giving me a hard time with the kids, parental planning process, but a breached court orders. He's emotionally draining me. It's taking toll on the kids. Shukran for your message. It's such an important message that you've sent. I, since you are with the uh, the parental plan which means there will be psychologists and and uh, social workers possibly involved ask them where you should go to directly perhaps to the people whom you are already seeing but also get help to help you to strategize how to manage and boundary that he does not continue with his controlling manner um there are decisions that you have to make to stop him controlling you. And I know it is very, very difficult. Okay? And therefore, it is good for you to get help for yourself. Get help that someone can sit down, know the details of your circumstances, and strategize in terms of how to manage the controlling. And, and sometimes one just has to block the person, block them in any and every way, and, and instruct that he can only contact you via either email or either through the attorneys who are working on your case but you know the the decision to do that has to come from you um, certainly you have had the strength to um, go through with a divorce you have had the strength to have your children with you and look after them you will have the strength to stand up and stop the controlling that someone else is controlling over you. May Allah make it easier on you, inshallah. I mean. 
So before I end my program, which is in probably a minute or two, I also just want to speak about a person who sent a message about a daughter who's five years old and not doing very well. I'm going to send the, uh, give you my, my details, my cell phone number and my landline number. Those numbers are to be contacted during office hours. I always encourage that people ask the questions, you know, via the messages here on the air so that others can benefit as well when we respond to the messages. So just again, some, you know, the private information about myself is that I'm a clinical psychologist registered with the HPCSA. Under the name Shahida Abrahams, so I'm in private practice in the Goodwood area. And I work very normal office hours, but start at 12 and go as late as half past seven in the evening and even later as the last starting point of my sessions. And my contact details are 021-592-0563. That's 021-592-0563 or 83 Oh, it's three two double three four seven six nine. But please phone during office hours. So yeah, just to you know, I'm going to be taking um, photos of the messages I couldn't get to, so that I can attend to it next week in my in my program, inshallah. So for now, I wish you well. If you are in a toxic relationship, get help. There are so many doors that will be opened for you and one of those places is Sarki Bartman Center and their number is 021-633-5287 I greet you Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh